Hey everyone, it's been a long while. If you've listened to previous episodes before, thanks for coming back. But if you're new here, I'm Monica. And I'm Kathleen. And welcome to Boba Talk, a podcast about boba with a side of life, half sweet. Today's episode is a very special one where we are discussing Warrior Nun. Uh, Warrior Nun is a television show on Netflix. And this episode will be about Warrior Nun, but heavily focusing more on the relationship between Ava and Beatrice. Or, as the fandom has dubbed them, Avatrice. Monica and I will answer questions we had for each other after watching the series and share them with all of you. As a disclaimer, the answers we provide are in no way factual or truth unless stated otherwise with either comments from the creator or been confirmed with anyone else that's part of the show. Um, Anything else, they are completely the opinions of myself and Monica. So today's boba is from TPT located here in Cupertino, California. Hashtag we're not sponsored. All right, Kat, hit us with the boba fact. All right, so TPT was originally founded in Taichung City, Taiwan in 2005. Um, After opening up over 200 plus stores on the island, they opened up their first and only U.S. store here in Cupertino, California. In 2018, they do have other stores, um, but their locations are in Shinjuku, Japan, and Ontario, Canada. So, if you guys want to check out TPT, you'll have to come to California, Japan, or Canada, <laughs> or Taiwan, or Taiwan. So, yeah, there's more of them over there. Yeah. Um, all right. So, since we want to get to the good stuff, aka the warrior nun questions, here is our quick review. So I got the Tiguan Yen milk tea with boba and 30% sugar. But because I got COVID and I still can't taste or smell, I can tell you, the only thing that I can tell you is that the boba is pretty good texture-wise and it has a really good chew that I like. Um, But sadly, I cannot give this a valid rating for this episode. So I will leave that to Kat. Yeah, so I can taste and smell. So I actually ordered milk tea with boba um, and 30% sugar. For me, the milk tea flavor is very reminiscent of my favorite black tea, uh, black milk tea from Fantasia, which if you've listened before, um, was on our first episode. It does taste more fresh than Fantasia, and you really get the black tea flavor. Um, this is actually very reminiscent of a Hong Kong style milk tea, which I love. It's nutty um, and it has a really nice subtle umami flavor. So I would give it a 9 out of 10. Um, in regards to sweetness, 30% is perfect for me. Um, anything beyond that would be really overpowering. Um, but I know there are some people here with crazy sweet tooth, so 30% may taste like water to them. Um, but for me, it's perfect. The boba, I will disagree with Monica. Um, It's a little too hard for me and not as soft as I like it, uh, but not bad. I've had worse, so I would give it a 6 out of 10. Well, I guess I could could give my rating for the boba. I would say for me, it's like a 7.5, 8 out of 10 for me. I've had better boba, but this boba is pretty good for my liking.
Now we'll get into what everyone is here for. Warrior Nun! Warrior Nun! But for those who are here for the Boba review, you can probably just stop now and come back for the next episode. Yeah, so to start things off, Kat, did you ever think Ava considered herself straight? So, I remember when you asked me this the first time, I I didn't really have a answer, but I when I really started thinking about it and going through the history of Ava, I mean, she was a quadriplegic for um, uh, a good while. She yeah. got went to the orphanage at six years old, and she started walking at 19, so what is that, 13 years? Mm-hmm. Um, so... She was stuck at that orphanage, St. Michael's, for that long, and she never really got to explore her sexuality. So at the orphanage, I really do think that she did consider herself straight because of societal standards. You know, everyone... I always have the motto, everyone's straight until they're not. So... <laughs> it's true, it's true. So, um, so I did think at the orphanage and when she got the halo put into her... Um, she did consider her sh- herself straight, but only because she never had the opportunity to explore that other side of her. She never had any other relationship, um, women, uh, uh, men. We knew that he, she had a relationship with um, her roommate. I forgot his name, so I mm-hmm, apologize. Yeah. Um, but he was a little boy. And so I do think, again, to answer that question, I did think... She she did consider herself straight, but it wasn't until she came into the world and really started exploring and experiencing things where, you know, she probably started questioning that that about herself. No, I totally agree. I I don't think she ever really considered herself anything. I think she was just kind of going with it like anyone really does because they don't really know who they are. And we have to, like you said, we have to remember, she was stuck in a bed as a quadriplegic her whole life and not being able to really experience anything for herself. Mm-hmm. So I think we're on the same consensus with with that. Yeah. And not only that, she was in a Catholic orphanage and you know how that is with <laughs> the LGBT community. Annika and I both agree that she never really had a chance to explore um, and that I personally think she did think she was straight until she got out there and went like oh yeah this is life (laughs) yeah no I I totally agree yeah all right so how do you think Ava's mindset changes from season one to season two I mean I think this question is also fairly um I want to say straightforward if you're really paying attention uh the in her growth from season one to season two season one she was still very selfish and who wouldn't be being quadriplegic for 13 years and then all of a sudden they can walk and do things with their limbs that they didn't weren't able to do for so long of course they want to experience experience everything that they missed for how many years and but having some a huge responsibility like the being halo bearer that's the last thing on your mind like why are you going to wake up and get a second chance of life not only that she was dead when she got the halo mm-hmm. so she really did in the sense of it get a second chance of life why would you waste it on some type of obligation or or responsibility so that was definitely her mindset and that is one of i think the topics that really got explored um in the episode i think it was episode seven or eight where she was predominantly um with mary 
Mm-hmm. Um, Mary was the main person that she was with that whole episode. And I think Mary was trying to talk to her. Uh, Ava was really struggling with everything. And in the end, you know, Mary was like, Beatrice asked Mary, like, is she coming? And Mary said, you know, she, she will. Um, and that was her being selfish in season one. And then you come back to season two and you very first, um, one of the very first scenes is her on the run with, not on the run, but like hiding with Beatrice, but they're training on the side. Mm-hmm. You know, she's really um, trying to be the halo bearer that they need her or want her to be. Um, you know, she's actually training and wanting to train. Um, and so season two, I think her mindset changes from, let me let's experience life to I need to make sure everyone else can experience lives, their lives. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Um, so from the Halo's perspective, why do you think it thought Ava was worthy to be the warrior nun? I also spent a long time uh, trying to answer this question. Uh, one of the first things that popped into my head, which you guys can feel free to um, find on Instagram or I think it's on TikTok as well. Uh, Barbara Corcoran from <laughs> Shark Tank. There is a clip of her and explaining what it's like to struggle. And I think from the Halo's perspective, Ava struggled her whole life. Um, she got in a car accident at six, became quad. So mm-hmm. she knew what it's like to walk and and do all of these things up until she got into that car accident. And um, then 13 years of that plus the orphanage, you know, that's a lot of mental fortitude that you need to have there. And she made the best of it by, you know, with whatever she had with her roommate, you know, um, uh, with her roommate, but that's the only person that we were really introduced on this show. So there could have been more, you know. But I think she struggled. She struggled. And she knew what it's like to not waste life or have or being able to have a second chance of life. And I think the Halo understood that or knew that. Um, And she probably we don't know the full history. We don't know how she was as a child, whether she was selfish, whether Mm -hmm. she was um, whether she was a sweet kid. We don't know. But what we do know is that she had hardship. She struggled. And I think the Halo thought she was worthy and everyone makes mistakes. And I think um, we all saw that in season one and even in a little bit of season two. And I think that's why, and that's why the Halo chose her is because she's not, she wasn't trained like Lilith was to Mm -hmm. be the next Halo bearer. You know, it wasn't an obligation or a thing that's been handed down because Lilith's family had previous Halo bearers. It was... Ava really fully, maybe not at the time, but really fully grasping what it's like to live life because she technically, she didn't. She didn't live life and she was dead when she got the halo. Um, So this is her chance. So we both agree that in season one, Beatrice had a wall up and wasn't really a trusting person, except for her sisters a little bit more than let's just say a stranger. In that first scene where Ava and Beatrice were alone together after the cafeteria in that dark hallway with Ava sitting and leaning up against the column, what do you think made Beatrice open up to Ava? Like, what made Beatrice trust her? 
You know, I think there's some individuals who just have this charisma and that calm and that openness where even though they don't really know them, they feel like they can trust her. And with Ava, I think personally, I think she has that. Um, She has this childish exuberance that, you know, you that's refreshing to see Mm -hmm. and uh, to, to see an experience, really, especially as an adult growing up um, and having to deal with a lot of things that, let's say, Beatrice had to deal with. Um, you guys know her, 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 whole, her whole story. So I think it was refreshing for Beatrice, but at the same time, um, there's always a spark between someone. Whether you are aware of it or not, there is always someone... Um, out there that you just feel connected to whether subconscious uh, like um, subconsciously or consciously and it doesn't necessarily have to be a romantic thing it could be a platonic thing where you Mm -hmm. just connect with someone so well that you know this person is going to be in your life for a long time Um, and I think that's what happened here with Beatrice and I really do think Ava because Ava it was so open and so like trusting of everyone like I feel like Ava's the type of person to trust whoever versus Beatrice who is very guarded who is hard to trust and I think that openness that Ava had made Beatrice feel comfortable and share things she normally wouldn't have had to share or that she normally wouldn't share with other people um, because of that and whether Beatrice knew it or not that's what happened and that's what I felt, and I think Monica too felt um, during that scene, yeah. um, was that we don't really think Beatrice <laughs> realized that she opened up to Ava um, until later, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, it's kind of like you and me. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, just because it's like, I feel like, I mean, just because like now that you mentioned it, it's like, I feel like I'm like Ava. Like, I trust you until you give me a reason not to but I feel like for you and you can keep me honest is that you you kind of don't trust right away like myself like you kind of have a wall up and you yeah you kind of have to chip away at it and I feel like that's kind of what our friendship has been yeah I mean if you guys have seen Shrek with that whole onion metaphor that's I feel like that's kind of what I am I'm pretty much an onion you just peel there's multiple layers. <laughs> peel and peel. But it's like, you know, it, it's like we've been friends for what? Like three? No, it's been longer. Like five years now. Really? Yeah. My God, time is going by so fast. Four years, four years. Four years. But yeah. it's like, man, it's like it goes by fast. And yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. All right. So next question. Why do you think Beatrice said, I love you after Ava went through the portal versus saying it when Ava could still hear her? So my opinion is just a guess in what I think. Um, uh, obviously, this is what this podcast is about, our own opinions yeah. on the show. But seeing as how Ava kissed Beatrice in that same episode and then like 20 minutes later is like dying and then she says, I love you to Beatrice, that's a lot for someone as repressed as Beatrice to kind of um, compute or handle. Um you know, coming from myself who wasn't comfortable with her sexuality for a long time, um, having your crush or the person you're in love with all of a sudden kiss you and then 20 minutes later, 20 minutes later like, 
let's say like moves away or or in in their case dying mm-hmm. um that's a shock you know i think that's what happened with beatrice was that she just didn't realize what ava said what was going on she probably like had a brain fart um and it wasn't until she finally left where things snapped back into focus and was like oh shit i love you too you know <laughs> she said so calmly though yeah yeah and i think and you can tell too you i think she was just very much like holy sh- holy crap like ava is now through this portal and she told me she loved me oh crap i need to say it back but it's too late mm-hmm. you know and i think that's a lot for someone um again having to fight off those that that cardinal dude um and then having ava make out with you and then <laughs> telling like basically realizing that she's sacrificing herself as well like that's a lot in a short amount of time kissing sacrificing finding her pretty much dying and then goes off into another dimension beatrice had a very busy day that day no she did yeah she i don't i don't know how she survived but she's beatrice she's a badass (laughs) it's true it's true um i don't know i don't know do you think beatrice ever knew that ava was into her the whole time or do you think she was just unsure in my personal opinion i think b picked up on it like at the end of the day, Beatrice is a woman. We are very intuitive creatures. Um, so I think she she picked up on it because the flirting was very, especially in season two, very apparent. I just think Beatrice was, I guess, in denial of it. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think she knew what to do because, like you just mentioned, you know, she's she's been repressed and... I guess, like, admitting it to herself, and then it's like, oh, crap, you know? Yeah. But um, what yeah. do you think? Yeah, I, okay, coming from the LGBT gay lesbian perspective, um, uh, this is a question that I feel hits close to home for me. Um, part of it because I think for Beatrice, I think she did pick up on it. Monica's right. We are intuitive creatures, and mm-hmm. I think she really did think that oh my gosh this Ava girl is probably flirting with me but because she was in the closet so to speak uh, she is didn't want to play on those actions Mm -hmm. she convinced herself enough to where Ava is just being friendly or being nice or Mm -hmm. being a good friend which from personal experience I've done many times um where this where someone's flirting with me and I'm like oh no she's just being friendly but really it's flirting so I think this is what happened with Beatrice I think she noticed it recognized it but didn't allow herself to think anything of it yeah I think Um, that's the big thing yeah she didn't allow herself I don't think it, it wasn't because maybe she didn't think she was deserving of it but just allowing herself to really feel exactly yeah I don't think she didn't I don't exactly like she she, I think she deserves it, and I think she knows that she deserves some type of love, but she did not allow herself to to feel it, to believe it, um, and convince herself otherwise, um, because that's room for heartbreak, heartache, mm-hmm. um, pain, and I mean, she was part. She decided to become a nun and be part of the OCS. Um, Order of the Cruciform Sword for those newbies on here, if there are any, um, that because, I mean, and probably so she doesn't have to 
play on to those wants and desires that she is trying so hard to repress. I think also too, maybe what like didn't allow her to feel is maybe what Camilla said to her too, because it's like it's easy to fall in love with the warrior nun, but it's loving the warrior nun that's the hard part because they end up dying, and maybe that's another reason why Beatrice was like it can act. On these yeah, and, or something like that. Yeah, but I mean that happened towards the end of season two, um, and I think Beatrice noticed it, uh, or earlier earlier on. on um, but I think after Camilla said that to her, she probably even like repressed it more, or or kept or made sure that it doesn't escalate into anything more. Mm. Yeah. By the way, shout out to Camilla, the captain of the ship. So, you know, now that you've seen season one and two multiple times, Monica, uh, what are some of the things that you've noticed and stand out to you? Multiple is like the baby term for it. I've probably seen it like, you know how many times I've watched the series. Yeah, she's been, she's been streaming this show like every day for the last three weeks, maybe a month. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, been been a a, it's been a while, but, you know, I do because I love it. Um, so some things that stand out to me is I would say the amount of nonverbal communication between Ava and Beatrice, um, you know, that they have with each other and it's all in their eyes and the small touches that they share. Um, and I think I've talked about this with you probably multiple times. When I first watched the series, I didn't notice all the little glances here and there. But, you know, now that I'm seeing, like, IG reels or videos on Twitter or, you know, when I rewatch the series a hundred billion times, I'm like, damn, those small moments give you so much more depth to their relationship. And if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss out on it. And I feel like because I've talked to you multiple times, like, every time I notice something, I I text you. Yeah, she texts me. I'm like, yeah, I know. And I think as... Um, you know, the sapphic community, um, we all know that we are highly susceptible to queer baiting. And I think because we've been so much like been exposed to that for so long on all of the shows that we watch, that we are very much in tune for at least sort of um, context, uh, context, context um, in these shows. So I didn't even think anything of Beatrice and Ava until later on in season one where just one little gesture and all of a sudden I'm like wait (laughs) wait 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 is this another queer baiting thing or is this Mm -hmm. uh or is this for real um and then when I started when I watched the first episode of season two and Ava and B had that dance scene and the slow motion Ava Ava is just looking at B like like shit I love this girl that's when I was like, wait, 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 oh, even more. I was like, is this for real happening? Is this true? Did what I did what I see in season one actually be real? It wasn't like a fake thing where I was like going through some sort of like queer bait remission. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, and, and I think this is really a testament to um, Alba and Christina's acting along with their chemistry. Like, you can't write chemistry and, you know, make two characters fall in love and believable without great acting. So... Great acting and chemistry and also a relationship off screen. Yeah, I agree. And that makes all the difference because I feel like with other series that I've watched before, um, TV series, um, 
you can totally tell when it feels a little bit forced mm-hmm. and it's like oh boy um and i guess another thing that i've really noticed um is the just amazing music score that this series has um i mentioned this on twitter um but the music is often a character in itself and a score can either make or break the series so a huge shout out to Tangeline Bolton, who's the composer for for Warrior Nun, and Lindsay Wolfington. Um, she's the music supervisor. Um, on an awesome, awesome job. One question that one random question that um, we all have, and I don't have an answer for it, so I'm asking Monica. Why do you think the writers wanted Yasmin to go and witness Ava and B's first kiss versus Camilla, who seems to have shipped them pretty much the whole time? Mm-hmm. That is a that's a question that I I think like I said I texted you and I was like this is so random but why and you're like I don't know but now that I think about it and I also asked this question on my Twitter like a while back and some people aka one person responded <laughs> um, because Beatrice always took the newbies under her wing and I'm like yeah but at the same time I don't think that's the whole reason I think the writers did that on purpose because this was something they were planning to build on and explore in season three unfortunately we're not getting one but the holy not war yet. the holy war is going on guys so keep on fighting save um, <laughs> um but I think they wanted someone else in the OCS besides Camilla to um to see that hey Beatrice is gay um but you know that's okay um, but I'm curious to know what everyone's, you know, what everyone else's, like, what are your guys' thoughts about this question? Um, so feel free to tweet us and let us know. And we'll add our Twitters at the end of this episode so you guys can let us know. But I would say that's probably my answer. Yeah, and I, I, I like I said, I don't really have an answer as to why Yasmin. I mean, she ended up being one of my favorite, mm-hmm. like, new characters um, of the second season. Um, love her, love her to death, especially when um, she fought the cardinal and yeah. and like stabbed him in that vein. Um, I'm a nurse, so when she mentioned that, I was like, "Yeah, you you stab him there." Um, but I didn't. The only thing that I could think of was that um, Yasmin there was strategically placed for possibly a continuation yeah. of her storyline in season three, um, and. Also, it could be because Camilla has had that connection with Adriel, so she needed to be um, near the little cross cross thingy. Um, so yeah, that's the only thing I have. Don't really have much else. <laughs> yeah. So, but like we said, we're curious to know what you know your guys' thoughts yeah, are. Yeah. Um, because we're stumped for the most part, or at least I am. Monica has, I think, a better. Or if anyone can ask Simon for us, that'd be great too. Because yeah. I really want to know. That's one of the questions. And we have a couple more random questions that we wanted to ask each other. Uh, one of them was if we ever thought Michael had any idea of Ava and Beatrice being into each other. My answer is I don't think he ever did because I think he was so focused on the mission that he just it just it went over his head. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he did. Um, I think that, you know, he was in um, Rhea's realm for how many years um, I don't know if Rhea's realm has couples or relationships. Who knows? Rhea could be totally in like some polyamorous relationship with those demons. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what goes on in that dimension. So I don't think. So I don't think Michael was ever really exposed. So um, you know, growing up 
from I don't remember how old he was or maybe if if the show even mentioned it before he got he went to that dimension but he's obviously aged a long time Mm -hmm. um he's now in his probably 20s um I think he had absolutely no clue that Ava and Beatrice were into each other um I think that like Monica said he was so focused on the mission that that's pretty much his mo but I do want to say that every time Ava and Michael had a scene together, I was expecting and anticipating some sort of romantic connection or some sort of romantic gesture because I myself did not want to believe that they were actually going to make Ava and Beatrice um, endgame. And I think, like I mentioned before, I am a queer bait victim who is in remission um so i just didn't want to believe that it was actually going to happen yeah but with that said monica what was your reaction to the season two finale oh my god so this is a funny story because the first time after i watched it i call cat and cat what what did you like what happened when i when you picked up the phone you were like crying <laughs> i busted out into tears guys i i was just crying i was sobbing mind you monica straight <laughs> <laughs> i was just crying and i i think the last avatrice scene is it's just so beautiful and and that's what true love looks like from both characters you know, neither of them wanting to say goodbye, but having to put the other person before their own shot at happiness because they simply have to, and you can see it in their faces. And I, that, it just resonated with me. Like I said, I'm straight, but like, it resonated with me just because it's like, you know. That's the kind of love that you want for yourself. And like, you know, at the end of the day, like love is love. Mm -hmm. And I love love, you know that. So that's why I was so, I was just sobbing yeah and it's funny because yeah she was sobbing and then she rewatched season one and two again and then when the finale happened she called me again and was like yeah i'm still crying i already know what was what what to expect but i'm over here sobbing again (laughs) i will say like even like watching it for the hundred billion plus three times i cry every time i watch that scene because it's just so beautiful um and the acting a hundred percent um, and I also, I have to say, can we just applaud Lilith for giving, you know, Beatrice and Ava a moment to say their goodbyes? And it's like, okay, Lilith, if you're going to do one good thing, let that be it. So kudos to Lilith for giving those two a moment to say their goodbyes. Yeah, my reaction was a little different. Um, and again, I think it's because I've been disappointed on many, many shows before. So when um, Ava and B actually kiss, kind of like B denying her feelings for Ava or not believing it, I was denying and refusing to believe that anything was going to happen to them. So when they actually kissed, I literally, my eyes bugged out. And I was holding onto a pillow and I was squeezing that pillow so tightly and like squealing, like like that fangirl uh, squealing because for not the first time, but at least one of the few times it actually ended up happening where the two characters were, I thought something would happen, actually did. And, you know... You see the progression from season one to season two, but mm-hmm. and it's subtle, subtle and slow. 
um, like like uh, Christina has said on multiple like um, podcasts and things like that and videos, it's a slow burn. It's a slow burn. It's a true definition of a slow burn. Yeah, I feel like it wasn't rushed. It wasn't rushed, and I feel like a lot of shows do it wrong. There's mm-hmm. only a few shows out there that do it right, and Warrior Nun just like nailed it. Yeah, I agree. Um, you have shows where it's so quick, there's no buildup. Mm-hmm. Um, but with season one and season two, I think the pacing was really good. Um, and I'm a sucker for slow burns, so the fanfic I read are slow burns. Um, as much as I hate it, I love it at the same time. It sucks, but I love it. Um, so I think that's what they did here. And so my reaction was a visceral squeal and also just super happy, big smiles, didn't cry. The music was amazing. The song was perfect match. Um, and yeah, I, I was just so happy and excited. And I think that's why I'm like obsessed with Warrior Nun and Avon Beatrice I was already I already liked the show before, but this pretty much like cemented it. <laughs> I was gonna say if if I, I think because one, two, I haven't watched it yet, nor did I even know about the show mm-hmm. because you told me about it originally. So it's like you essentially had no one to talk to about it. No, I didn't. And I literally told Monica, Hey, watch it, it's really good, but you know, watch it till the full end of the second season. The first season's a little slow. Um, but it pushed through, and she did, and now here we are in this Warrior Nun fandom trying to... Fight this holy war. Yep, fight this holy war and try to get it renewed or picked up. Alright, so speaking of the song, and by song, I mean him for her um, by Ames, with the whole, in that whole kiss scene. Um, here is a fun fact. So I was curious to why you know, the music team specifically picked that song for Avatris, you know, because there's that millions and millions of songs out there. So why that particular song? So I actually tweeted Tangeline to, you know, get her, you know, opinion on it, or at least tell me if she, if she could tell me. And she actually pointed me towards Lindsay Wolfington, who's the music supervisor, by the way, if you missed it, um, on you know, her picking the song. And I was curious to Lindsay, you know, why did you pick that song? And here is her tweet back to me. I knew when Ames sent me him for her that it would be great for Avatris. So when I got the script and saw the scene, I sent Simon Barry the song. And while we both liked it, you never know till you put it to picture. But when we did, fireworks. Glad it resonated with you. So that is a fun fact for you guys is, yeah, she's the one that picked the song and we can all thank her for it. And Simon, because um, I think it's hard to, you know, put magic or actually when you put a scene and when you put music together, it's very hard for it to just be instant magic. And I give so much kudos to Lindsay and Simon for, you know, recognizing magic when they see it. So they really nailed it. But yeah, that is your fun fact. So when do you think Beatrice and Ava first fell for each other? Ooh. You know, I think I need to, I feel like I have to rewatch it so I can really figure it out. But I think Beatrice first fell for Ava. Um, You know, I actually think it was a progression. Um, I don't think there was one moment for Beatrice. I think 
it was um, a culmination of multiple moments where every interaction that she had with Ava chipped away at the stone around her heart and chipped away at the walls that she put herself in. Um, and it's, and then I think the ultimate precipice of that chipping away at her, at her, at her, um, barrier that she put on was when Ava finally went through the 20 feet of stone and was able to come out of it. B was just so happy that she did it. Um, where I think that's when the first time B finally recognized. I think that's when she recognized, like, oh, I think I'm falling for this girl. But, so I don't think it was a one-time thing. I think it was multiple interactions that ultimately led to that moment where B was like, oh, okay, well, I guess this is going to happen while I'm in the OCS where I thought this would prevent it. (laughs) Um, For Ava, I think it did take longer. I think just because of everything that happened with her, um, with her past and everything, um, you know, she thought she, oh, she probably, I don't, I'm pretty sure she did love JC back there in season one. I'm not sure if she was in love with him, but I'm pretty sure that she loved him in some kind of way. Um, But so for Ava, I don't think it was a progression. I think something just clicked in her to mm-hmm. where she was like, oh, do I like a girl now? Like, I like JC, but now, I don't know, B is kind of my jam. It's kind of jamming on, right? So, I don't know, I'm a millennial. Don't mind my, don't mind my, um, my slang. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's what happened. So, I think Beatrice, it was a progression, and Ava, it was just, I don't want to say it came out of nowhere. I don't, I mm-hmm. think they had a close enough relationship to where she did feel something for B, whether not unsure if it's romantic or platonic, but I think a moment happened to where it finally clicked for her that this is what I'm feeling. Hmm. I can, I agree, but then I kind of disagree. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I would say, I guess like first falling for each other. Mm-hmm. I would say it, for both of them, it started in that hallway. Mm-hmm. And their feelings kind of, and agreeing with what you're saying, it kind of just built from there, yeah. I think. Here's the great debate that is out there. Mm-hmm. Who fell for who first and who fell harder? I think there's a consensus among the fandom of who fell f- fell um, for who first and who fell harder. And I am in agreement with almost all of them, um, where I think B definitely fell for Ava first, but Ava definitely fell harder. And I think that went along the lines of what I said. Uh, This is, again, my own opinion. I think, you know, B did fall for Ava through that progression of her. And because B already knew. B already knew her sexuality. True. She already knew what she wanted but would never allow herself to have so it was a progression for her whereas Ava like we mentioned like in the first question I don't she probably never even realized that she could be attracted to women so when she was attracted to Beatrice it was like a all of a sudden oh damn oh yeah yeah no I I totally agree yeah I agree 
I I would agree too is Beatrice is the one who fell first and Ava is the one who fell hard. Yeah. Because it's like I think going back to I guess that moment, um, for B it was you know, maybe that training session during season one. Like that look. That ten mm-hmm. second like just stare. It's like, all right. And then for Ava I would say season two, Dance of Romance. Her look just gave everyone chills. It gave me chills. I'm pretty sure it gave you chills. Yeah, I was pretty much... That's where I was like, whoa, whoa hold up. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, with both of them, it's like those looks. Like, you don't... You definitely you definitely don't look at a friend like that. Yeah, I don't look at you like that. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> I'm, glad that, I'm glad that you don't. No. So. <laughs> and I don't look at you like that. Definitely not. <laughs> what would be your relationship advice to Beatrice and Ava? Man... That's such a hard one. Um, I think I would tell Beatrice to be more open. Um, One of my favorite actresses' favorite quote is let love in. And I think that would be my my relationship advice to Beatrice is to just let Ava's love and don't hold back don't put a barrier you know let yourself feel Mm -hmm. and give yourself and tell yourself that you deserve all this love that Ava has to give and for Ava I think it would be patience Um, B obviously has a lot of repressed issues that she needs to work on um, and Ava needs to work on patience. And I think with them, it would be communication, patience, and be completely open with one another, which is great advice for myself as well. I remember I did tell you that. (laughs) Uh, For me, I I totally agree with you with everything that you just said. But if I were to add my own Mm -hmm. flavor into it, for Beatrice, calm down, girl. It will be okay. (laughs) Like, chill out a little bit. Like, this girl is into you, so breathe and enjoy it. Um, that's something I would totally tell you to. I know. Um, and then for Ava, you know what you're doing, but use your words. Your girl needs to hear it, so just tell her how you feel, please. Um, but along with everything else that you just said, and I agree, like the patience mm-hmm. is a huge thing. As far as character growth, uh, what do you think Ava taught Beatrice and vice versa? That is a really good question. Um, so for Ava, for me, she came off as a super selfish character at first, but to the point where I didn't dislike her as a character. I think that they did a good job of really balancing it because typically if a character is super selfish, you end up just like hating them and not rooting for them, but not with Ava. Um, and Ava had every reason to be selfish. You know, essentially when you're gypped of your first life and you're given a second chance, I think anyone would take advantage of it and be selfish. Um, and B essentially taught her how to be a team player, how to trust, and she calms Ava down. Um, and But I think the thing that really does a good job of summing, summing it up is that Pace TV article. Um, I did tweet it and I sent it to you as well, co-written by Anna Govert, um, who, like I said, she does a good job of summing it up for Ava. And this is a quote in her, or something from her article. Towards the end of season two, Ava's love for Beatrice and desire to be with her is outweighed by her need to protect her, 
resulting in the acceptance of her own self-sacrifice in order to save Beatrice and the rest of the world. In that way, the kiss between Ava and Beatrice is Ava's reward to herself, her one moment of selfish selfishness before she gives her life to save a world that never truly cared about her. Um, and then for Beatrice, um, she had a lot of walls built up and Ava was really able to chip away at it. Uh, Ava also brought out the fun side of B, um, as we can see in that dance of romance bar scene. And because, you know, B was so serious and really bound by duty. Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, that's kind of what I think they taught each other. Yeah, Beatrice only had communion wine. <laughs> and she's taking how many shots now and she's okay. So what are your top three Avatrice scenes and why? Ooh, okay. So my first, not in any particular order, I'm just going to go in order of the scene where it progressed. Um, my first favorite scene was uh, when B was pretty much coming out to Ava um, when she was reading the journal for one of the um, past Halo Bears. Um, that scene really resonated with me because I've actually been in B's position where I tried to be the best daughter, the best student, best athlete, never getting into trouble to kind of compensate for the fact that I'm gay, I'm lesbian. And that was me growing up um, in all throughout middle school, high school, college. Um, and so that scene really resonated with me. Like I felt that to like my core. Um, so that was one of my favorite scenes. Um, I mean, I literally wrote a letter to my parents that, you know, I did all of this so you wouldn't, so they wouldn't be disappointed in me. I mean, that's a little deep right now. I don't believe I actually shared it, but that's, that's how that scene played out for me. Um, and we're all good now. My parents and I are good, just FYI. We worked through our issues. Um, but yeah, that was how I felt uh, when B was coming out. The second scene um, was when Ava was falling out of the sky, like super high in the second season, where she had that huge bloody um, skull. And the reason why is because it really showed um, how much Ava and B cared for each other not necessarily like take away um put away out of your mind that they're obviously in love with each other at mm -hmm. this point but the fact that they really do care about each other so much that they didn't want anything to happen um and i think that was one of my favorite scenes as well um it really showed their chemistry their connection as um as characters and as actors mm -hmm. um, the actors portraying them um and it's, it just showed a lot of emotion, and I was emotional watching it. Um, and of course, the last scene, the kissing scene, which I mentioned previously where I was just like in shock but super happy and squealing my 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 butt off that it actually happened. So If um, you didn't mention that scene, that that was one of your favorites, I'd be like, what are you watching right now? Yeah, and I think, again, it made it even better was because I was in denial pretty much the whole season that anything was going to happen between them. <laughs> All right. So for me, I would say, oh, I guess I, I guess I did put them in order, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, I love all of them. <laughs> uh, but obviously, number one, the kiss, because that's what everything was building up to. And as sad as the reason, you know, why the kiss happened, it was really beautiful. You can see how much they want each other by the way that they pull each other in for that kiss. 
after Beatrice is like, oh my god, this is happening, um, and how Ava, you know, lingers for as long as she can before she has to say goodbye. It's like, oh my god. Um, the second favorite scene, I would say the dance of romance, aka the bar scene, uh, it really shows like how much their relationship has grown, and, you know, Christina mentioned it in, I think, some video out there, um, how comfortable they are with each other, and you can see, like, um, how much B has not changed, but as far as like character growth. Um, and then the third one, and I do have a tie, an honorable mention too, so I'll mention that. Uh, I would say is the apartment fight. Um, that scene is so emotionally charged, and you can see how much they, how much love they have for each other because they are so mad at each other, um, if that makes any sense. Um, and the way that they apologize to each other too, um, that handhold. Hashtag healthy fighters right there. Um, and every time I watch that scene, I get sad and I, I text you this. I'm like, no, the moms are fighting. <laughs> and then I would say my honorable mention is um, Ava's fall from this guy. Kind of, you know, like what you said, how much they care for each other. And it's like the panic scared feeling that B has that she might have lost Ava. And I think, um, you know, I think something surfaced on Twitter about the director of that scene, you know, not much direction, but you know, I think the only maybe the only direction that they had was breathe each other in. No, it was breathe her in. Breathe, yeah, breathe, breathe yeah, her Ava in. Ava or yeah. Alba was supposed to breathe Christina in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like the moment that they share with their eyes as well, and you know, like we mentioned, the director was saying, you know, hey Alba, breathe Christina in, and just Alba's acting in that scene was was just really pure. So I would say those are my top three with the honorable mention. Because you're part of the LGBTQ2S plus community, um, I wanted to ask you these specific questions. How does Warrior Nun compare to all the other shows with queer characters? You know, Warrior Nun actually reminds me of my favorite TV show of all time. Um, and it's Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. If you guys don't know it, it's a great show. Seven seasons. Watch it. That's my plug. Um, it actually reminds... It's pretty reminiscent of TV shows back then. Um, back then, like, I'm an old fogey. Um, what am I, 70? <laughs> um, so Ava and Beatrice, like I mentioned, was a slow burn. Um, and I think their relationship was done beautifully. It really reminded me of Willow and Tara's relationship on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It was slow, gradual. You really saw how much they loved each other and how much they've been through together. Um, and with Ava and B, it was the same thing to me. It wasn't rushed. Like Monica said, it wasn't rushed. It wasn't... It wasn't um, there just for views, mm -hmm. um, you know, like clickbait. You know, they weren't doing it for fan service. It and they weren't just was, checking off a box. Yeah, they weren't checking off a box. It was genuine, honest, real struggles between two people as um, characters, whether individually, together, you know, responsibility. So I think compared to other shows... This one has been one of my favorites so far in comparison to the newer shows that have come out. 
Um, for example, uh, First Kill. I watched it. I liked it. Was it the best? Not really. Um, I'm biased because, like I said, I like Buffy. Not a Twilight fan. I'd rather watch... I did like First Kill more than Twilight. Hate hate me. I don't care. I really don't like Twilight. Um, it's probably because I'm a huge fan of Buffy. So, like, even though the... Like, with First Kill, even um, Teenage Bounty Hunters that came out, um, you know, those are the two Netflix shows that I've seen um, that is resonating with me right now like off the top of my head compared to their storylines um this one was just a lot more genuine a lot more honest Mm -hmm. um just and it was just beautifully done with the score with the um with just the visuals um that the director the producers and everyone put into the show like it just it was it was it was exquisitely done i i yeah and I know that this is more so your question, but I, I guess just putting in my two cents of, because you mentioned First Kill, mm-hmm. and I watched that series as well, and I think I texted, I talked to you about this yeah. as well, is those two characters, I, I don't even know their names anymore at this point, but those two characters, it, the way that they were written, it was just so rushed to me, mm-hmm. because it, it, it just, I don't know... Maybe it's because it wasn't meant to be a slow burn, but it's, you know, I've seen so many rom-coms and granted, whether it's a straight relationship, a gay relationship, whatever the case is, you know, at the end of the day, writing for it is still not the same, but it's like you're still building. And like I mentioned earlier, some relationships are written much better than others and First Kill, in my opinion, I was just like, this relationship does not seem believable to me at all. Like, it doesn't make any sense. But with, you know, Warrior Nun, like, of course, like you mentioned, just beautifully written the way that everything played out. So, Mm -hmm. And we're not hating or bashing First Kill. Like I said, I didn't hate it. I actually did enjoy the show. Um, But would it say it's in the same caliber as Warrior Nun? No. Heck no. (laughs) No. So, I mean, I'm not hating on First Kill. I thought it was, like, an okay show. I didn't like it. I didn't dislike it. I was just like, oh, okay. It's just, I think that relationship in First Kill was just not believable for for me. Last question for you, Kat. Being part of the Rainbow Mafia (laughs) and a woman of color, what does it mean to you to have that representation? You know... If I had this as a as a high schooler, I think I, it would have been so much more. It would have been a lot easier for me to accept myself, number mm-hmm. one, and I think it would have been. Um, I it would have probably made me more comfortable um, with myself uh, back then. I mean, there's. I remember combing through AOL, like just trying to find any show or 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 movie that had any lesbian characters in it. And there were few and far between compared to now. Um, You know, like, so not only that, but the fact that we have an Asian um, lesbian character, like Ellie Chu in the half of it. Um, If you've seen The Sex Lives of College Girl, there's um, a recurring character on there. I forgot her name. Um, And then there's also, you know, B, she's Asian. Um, there's actually Asian lesbian representation nowadays, and I'm loving it. Like personally, on my, I, I am loving it. Um, 
but in general like it's so refreshing to finally mm-hmm. see someone like someone like myself on tv you know there's been a lot of um there's been a lot of conversations now about representation and and back then like a lot of my like I said I was I was just combing through like the deep web on any little thing for any type of sapphic show or movies and for a long time my favorite movie and it still is is Saving Face that was my first lesbian movie with Michelle Krujic and Lynn Chen still love it I highly 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 recommend it if you guys haven't seen it um such a good such a very well done movie and that was my only representation of an asian lesbian character at a time anyone else were caucasian um and so seeing this it's it means a lot to me um but at the same time i know my little middle school teenage heart is like like all like rainbows and butterflies right now (laughs) i i guess just you know piggybacking off of that question um do you have anything that you want to say to christina because you know, you are, you know, lesbian and you are Asian American. I think for for me in general, granted, I'm not gay, but the fact that there is Asian representation and Beatrice is such a strong female character that doesn't fall into the generic like Asian stereotype that a lot of Asian characters are. She's not, I don't want to say a side piece, but she's not like, a side character she's one of the main characters who you know is strong but at the same time she she has her own struggles like everyone else does and she's human but you know she's able to kind of come out of the other side and just be a total badass and you know that asian representation shows the world that you know we're not quiet we're not the the, the stereotypical you know, Asian of what people think of us. So mm-hmm. I can appreciate that. But do you have anything to say to um, Christina? Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can really think of right now um, is, you know, thank you. Uh, thank you, Christina, for really bringing to life this character of Sister Beatrice. And not only that, playing her with so much heart and so mm-hmm. much, um, um, like, genuine care for the character that it truly enables the viewers to experience the same journey together and i do want to mention alba baptista as well thank you for putting so much life into ava and for playing her so beautifully that we are able to experience the same adventure on our screen Alright, well, that's all we have for this episode. Thank you all for taking the time to listen to this very special episode of Boba Talk. Shout out to the fandom for keeping the fight for season 3 alive. Don't forget to use hashtag SaveWarriorNun in your tweets, TikTok, Instagram, whatever your platform of choice is. Uh, sign the petition. Be loud. We want to get season 3 and Warrior Nun renewed. We want to know also what you guys think about the podcast, um, the questions we had for each other. If you enjoyed us, uh, retweet and share this episode. Christina, if you're listening, we would love to have you on our show. There's a boba with your name on it waiting for you. Um, If any of you guys have any questions, comments, opinions, feel free to tweet us at Kathleen Robot. And at Baymonbon. And we'll catch you on our next episode. Bye. Bye.